this is Shani and this is the Unapologetically Me podcast where I talk about everything on my mind. And today I want to talk about the stigma of learning disabilities. Because as a person who has one, it's challenging like navigating life and just trying to figure everything out from a different point of view. So let's get started. So before I even get started, this is just bugs me to a whole new level so i'm not sure exactly what happened but i usually record with a microphone on my laptop but these past two episodes i had to record on my phone because something happened to my microphone and it is completely broken and i cannot afford right now a new microphone so i'm stuck recording on my phone which is fine you know you got to start from somewhere but yeah if the quality is different if you're like rustling like this, it's just because I'm moving around on my bed and I can't change that. And usually my microphone does not pick up on those things. So I just wanted to give a little, you know, heads up in case anyone was concerned or not concerned, but like, just, I don't know, worried. So I always knew I was a little bit different my whole entire life, but I never knew the extent of my learning disability till like high school, maybe. Like I didn't understand how different my life is compared to others. So, um, my dad told me this so many times. You know, whenever I'm down about myself, he always tells me this. If I'm so determined to, like, accomplish something, I will manage to do it just like that. You know, I will do it in a heartbeat, and it might be the most challenging thing ever, but it's like a switch. Like, once I got it, I got it, and it's just, it sticks like that. You know, it sticks like glue, and it's been like that my whole entire life, according to my dad. Like, when I was little, um, I was raised in an Israeli household, so my native language was Hebrew. And it was really hard for me to, you know, grasp English. But once I went to a preschool where the main language was English, they, like, I just, something switched inside of me where I just started speaking English, like, fluently. And there was no problem since then. Same with diapers. I told my parents I didn't want diapers. And then I didn't need diapers ever since. Like, I literally got rid of diapers and then bam. Never wetted the bed. No issues whatsoever. Also with walking. I just started walking out of absolute nowhere when I was being babysat at this, like, at-home daycare thing. Like, I I literally had nothing to hold on to. And I just walked with no problem. And that's what my dad always tells me. It's like... Once you've got some, like, once you see someone do something and you want to do the same, you just learn how to do it. You just, something in your brain switches and you just go for it. And I see what he means, 100%. There's just a lot of things I'm just like, yeah, I can never grasp that. Like, example, math is literally my weakest subject ever. Like, I literally cannot get, wrap my head around math. Like, yeah, some things click in my brain after, like, 50 million tries, but I do struggle a lot with math this is not just like an easy subject for me to you know do so that's an example so when I realized I was a little bit quote-unquote different um from the other kids was probably the first grade um I watched the other kids do all these math sheets and I asked my teacher hey why do I not have the same math sheets as everyone or where's my math sheet 
And she looked at me and she's like, oh, just come to my desk and I'll give it to you. So she put it, the seat next to her at her desk and she pulled out this coloring sheet that was nothing like the other kids. Like every other, like every kid in my class was doing multiplication and I was just stuck sitting next to her at her desk doing a coloring sheet. Like color the horse yellow or, you know, the c- coloring, like learning what your colors are and what the animals are. And again, I was in first grade, so I'm pretty sure it's normal for first graders to know their colors by then. And I was just, like, so confused. I was like, why is it all these kids, like, doing multiplication problems and I'm just sitting here coloring? And I was so upset because I was like, I'm being treated differently and I, it doesn't sit well, like, it doesn't sit well with me and I don't get it. And I was too scared to say anything to my teacher because obviously when you're, like, when you're a kid, you just assume, like, your teacher knows best and, you know, you can't question the teacher, you know? Like, why would you ever question the teacher? So... I just kept on doing my thing, and I was just so upset. Every single day when I came home from school, I kept on asking my parents, like, why am I either A, being taken out of class every single day for every single subject, or B, why am I getting different work than the other kids if I'm in the classroom? And obviously, you can't explain to a first grader that they have learned disability, because, like, how do you explain that? Like, you, st- I still can't explain it to grown-up what my learning disability is because like I can't even explain it you know and it's just it's so weird because whenever people ask me like what is your learning disability and it's literally just if you look at my you know IEP forms and whatever it all says the same it just says the learning disability doesn't there's no real definition for it which is (laughs) the most aggravating thing ever like, I literally try to Google it, and it just pops up, like, top five learning disabilities, like, different types of learning disabilities. It doesn't pop anything about my learning disability that I have. And, you know, I get tested every four years, and the results are, like, exactly the same. It just says the learning disability. But recently, um, last time I got tested was around a year, yeah, a year ago or two. And, yeah, it had to be two years ago. Two years ago, I got retested for college. And, you know, I was just expecting the same results. I wasn't expecting anything crazy. And so this lady, when she was reading me my diagnosis, because that's what they have to do. It's like the older you get, like when you're around 13, 14 years old, they start reading you your diagnosis um, in front of your parents or whatever. Sometimes they make just the parent in the room and you have to leave the room or it really depends but in this case since I was around 18 at a time I was there for the results and so my dad was sitting next to me and I was just again not expecting any change whatsoever and then the lady looks at me and she's like did you know you had ADHD and I was like no like I had no idea like why would I like no one ever you know, tested me for ADHD, and it just, that's just so unusual, and so she read it, it started reading me, I mean, like, she started telling me, not reading me, she started telling me what the symptoms are with people with ADHD, and how it's, like, people who space out a lot, or, like, you know, have really short attention span, have a hard time focusing, like, what I just said, oh my gosh, that just proved I had ADHD right there, because I just 
spaced out for a second there. Um, people have hard time taking notes. I'm not going to tell you all the symptoms, but you have a, if you have ADHD, you know what I'm saying. And also, you get very fidgety and whatever. And so, all those things. I'm a very fidgety person because I have anxiety. Like, I've had anxiety my whole life. I knew I had anxiety my whole life. Like, I fidgety because I'm anxious. Not because I have high energy or, you know, all that kind of things. It's just because I'm anxious and I'm, like, stressing out, you know. Like, or just even sitting here. I can't sit still because I feel... It makes me feel uncomfortable, you know? I have to be doing something, and that's why I fidget. So, when she told me that, I was just like, that makes so much sense. What in the heck? Like, why why has no... Like, I asked her, I was like, why has no one, you know, seen this? Like, hello, I'm almost 18 years old, and I'm not getting, like, why did I not get this sooner? Like, this diagnosis sooner? And she told me, like, it's harder to you know, diagnose girls with ADHD than it is with boys. And I was just like, what? That is so weird. So that was the shock of my life. And it makes so much more sense. And now I'm getting the help I need with my ADHD and also my learning disability. But that's just like such a huge mind-boggling thing. You know, you think it's like so easy for people to get diagnosed with like all these things. But apparently, with ADHD, it's, like, way harder to pick up on with girls. So, it's just, wow, right? So, you know, throughout high school, I think that was, like, probably the hardest, or one of the hardest years, like, four years for me. Or just, you know, school years for me. Because I just didn't want to wrap my head that I was different. And I know you should never, like choose all the minuscule details when you're in high school because you're still really young but I always told myself all through high school that I shouldn't have kids and the main reason why is because what if they come up to me ask for help for a homework assignment you know I struggle with homework all the time and like the thought of a kid coming up to me like their parent and be like hey can you help me with my homework and then you being able and you just freeze up because you just don't know the homework assignment. You just don't know how to help them. And then there's two responses. One, they'll be like, oh, okay, I'll go ask the other parent. Or two, they'll laugh at you. And I always was just like so, like I just was like, yeah, that, that's fine. I cannot have kids. That's my main reason why I can't have kids. I can't do that. Like I can't go through that embarrassment of being a parent who doesn't know the basics of math. Then I started going to a deeper cycle where I was just like, this is why you can't get a, you know, a retail job because they're going to make you work cashier and then you will have to do math. And all that stuff, like I literally went in a whole spiral. And yes, at the age of 20, I'm still questioning if I want kids. But it's not because, oh, what if they laugh at me? It's more, there's other personal reasons, but... You know, now I have a job, you know, like I'm working a retail job. Yes, there's so many moments in my life where I just want to die of embarrassment because I didn't give the person the right amount of money because I'm, you know, put under so much pressure and it's just a lot for me to take in. So, yeah, I'm, those moments where I just want to cry and die in a hole, but it's different. Um, because beforehand I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting myself through that kind of job. But at the same time, 
you need to have job experience, you know? And also, I can't just sit in my house all summer long and do absolutely nothing. So, whatever. This is what I'm doing. I'm really pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Not only social anxiety-wise, just in general, like, with my learning disability. And people might think, like, this, like having a learning disability doesn't impact me every single day. Like, it doesn't, like change anything like if I'm not around subject like school stuff or like math but it's completely untrue that is false um every single day is just a whole struggle um I can't even explain it to you like the, unless you have a learning disability yourself you'll understand the struggle because everything around you you have to just I don't know how to explain it I really really don't I'm trying to find the words to say but I just it's a struggle. And, again, some days I'm fine and I'm just like, okay, just continue on my life and whatever. And sometimes I just go in a really dark spiral and it's really toxic and bad. And I'm just an emotional wreck and I just can't see the light and I'm just miserable. And I'm always just so insecure. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm so insecure is because I just feel so, sometimes I just feel so stupid, you know? And I know I'm not stupid, but it's just, like, really challenging. And, again, I can't put it into words why it's so challenging. It just is. And when you talk, I mean, talk to from, like, an adult, and they're talking to you, like, you're five and you're 20. It's just, like, why? Like, I'm just like everyone else. But <clears throat> it's funny because I was literally just talking to a group of people at my school about, you know, being treated differently because of, you know, my learning disability. And I'm just going to pull this up right now because I don't want to, again, bring wrong information up or, you know, wrong terminology or what is it called? Um, let's see here. It's called, uh, where is it? Ableist Abuse. So, what ableist abuse, according to what everyone told me, it's basically, um, it's really any kind of underestimating by others towards someone with a disability where they think they have capable of much less than they, they are or have misconception of by the person and their condition. So, basically, they're just, you know, not treating you, they're treating you differently because they, first of all, either don't know how to treat you even though they should just treat me like a normal human being, or they just, you know, don't understand my condition, really, if that makes any sense. Like, they just, I don't know how else to explain it. Let me Google up, actually, a real definition, because I feel like I'm just going to butcher this. Here, able abuse. Um... I'm sorry, I'm looking this up. This is really just really stressful. Ableism is discrimination of a social prejudice against people with disabilities based on their belief that typical abilities are superior. At its heart, ableist is rooted in the assumption that disabled people require quote-unquote fixing and defines people by their disability. Like racism and sexism, ableism classifies an entire group of people as quote-unquote less than and includes harmful stereotypes, misconceptions, and generalization of people with disabilities. 
So what can ableism look like, you might be asking. It's the lack of compliance with disability rights of law, like ADA. I have no idea what that is, so let's look that up. High-level um, computer programming language. I don't think that's what it is. Okay. Whatever. Um, segregating students with disabilities into separate schools. Oh, here's a funny story. So, um, I was literally talking to my parents about this. And, like, I don't even know how old it was. I was, like, probably 12. And, like I mentioned this earlier, I grew up in an Israeli household. And I was born in Israel. And I was talking to my parents about, you know, what would life have been if we stayed in Israel? And according to my dad, there is schools made for kids with learning disabilities. And I was talking to him about it. I was like, would you force me to go to one of those schools? And he's like, no, because I know that would have brought your ego way lower than it is. You know, because my ego, he knows, it's already really low because of past situations that made my ego so low about my learning disability. So that is a thing in Israel. I'm pretty sure it's here in America as well, but I'm just using that as an example. Like, it is a thing, and it's just why, you know, just treat us like everyone else, you know? The use of restraint or, I can't read that word, sorry, my dyslexia is kicking in. As a means of controlling students with disability, Oh, segregating adults and children with disabilities in institutions, failing to incorporate accessibility to a building design plans. Thankfully, I've never, obviously, I'm not physically disabled, but yeah, I I hate when they don't have those kind of like accessibilities. Like my school, they do whatever it takes to make it accessible for anyone, you know, like they put um, those railings and like everywhere they have elevators always ready and they have so many things to make it accessible for people like that um who have um struggles with like physical disabilities buildings without braille signs elevator buttons etc that pisses me off like when they don't have braille for the people who are blind like are you kidding me that's just mm, bothers me building accessible websites Meh. Um, using disability as a punchline or mocking people with disabilities. Oh, I've experienced that so many times when people just mock me. Um, this is the thing that really kills me because, again, um, as an Israeli Jew, this is the thing that really kills me. Apparently, um, back in the Holocaust, like, they did, a, like, the Nazis really went on a mass murder spree for disabled people because they were disabled. It had to be Jewish. If they were disabled, they were basically mass murdered, Um, which is just ugh, disgusting. So I think you get what it's trying to say. Or what are um, ableist microaggressions? There's many of them. People can say, um, that's so lame. Like, that's not you know, real. You are so R-word. I'm not going to read the R-word because I hate the R-word. That guy is crazy. You're acting so bipolar today. Are you off your meds? I hate when... That thing is really annoying. When people ask me, hey, did you take your meds today? Like, it's none of your business if I did or didn't. And like, 
I don't know. I just hate when people do that. Like, hello, did you not take your meds today? It's like the blind leading the blind. My ideas fell off of deaf ears. She's such a psycho. I'm super OCD about how I clean my apartment. Can I pray for you? I don't think, I don't even think of you as disabled. Those things, (laughs) it pisses me off. It pisses me off because obviously it makes sense why it pisses me off. Like, I remember somebody literally asked me if they can pray for me. Um, no, you don't need to pray for me. I'm perfectly healthy and I'm perfectly fine. Why do you need to pray for me? Or I don't even think of you as disabled. Like, people, like, maybe they don't say it, like, with the, they say it right, with the right attention. I mean, the wrong attentions. They don't mean it in the wrong attention. But they literally say, like, look at me. They're like, you don't even look disabled. Um, yeah, because I'm not physically disabled. Or even mentally disabled, you know? Like, I just have a learning disability. There's, uh, yeah, that pisses me off so much. Some people are like, you don't look disabled. There's a look to us. I'm confused. Like, please explain to me what a disabled person looks like. Because I can guarantee you, there's a lot of people who are disabled in this room right now. Do they, like, we're not all the same. We all have our own thing, you know? So, I'm going to tell you a really personal story that happened to me when I was in middle school. In middle school, um, I was tutored by this lady. Let's call her Mrs. Kathy. Mrs. Kathy tutored me literally every single day. And she was so nice, and she was, like, the person I was really looking up to. And she always told me, like, you are literally the smartest person I know. And you're so intelligent. You're going to go so far in places. You know, she literally was just the person who really motivated me to do better in school. She, you know, just, she seemed like such a wonderful woman, you know? And then, um, one day it was, like, parent-teacher conferences, My dad decided to go and, you know, he talked to Mrs. Kathy. And my dad came home afterwards and my dad thought I was asleep and he was talking to my mom. And I saw my mom very upset. And my dad was just basically telling her how my tutor, Mrs. Kathy, was saying, you know, I don't really see Shani going far in places. You know, I think she should really go somewhere else for school. And I think she, the farthest place she's going to go in life is probably work at a Starbucks. There's nothing wrong with working at a Starbucks. I just want to put it out there. But when you're told that you're going to go so far in places and like, you know, you're so smart. And then hearing the complete polar opposite is very soul crushing. It's very unmotivating and it just devastated me. And I overheard my dad saying this to my mom. Like, this is what Mrs. Kathy told me about Shanine. And when I overheard that, I was so upset. And my parents knew, like, they saw me. And they were just like, oh, shoot. Like, that's not good. You're not supposed to hear that. And I told them, I don't want to go to her anymore. And I just started ditching her tutoring sessions from that day forward. I just never went to her tutoring sessions. She was looking for me everywhere, bros. I always hid in the stairwell, or I always asked the janitor of the school to hide me, or 
I found every way possible to avoid her and not go to her classes. And finally, she got, like, I guess my dad went to my principal and told him, like, hey, she doesn't need this tutor anymore or doesn't want to go to her anymore. I don't know what my dad said exactly, but she finally got a memo and she stopped looking for me because I was just so mad at her, you know? I was just like, you literally told me one thing. And you're telling my parents a polar opposite thing. You know, you're just, that really crushed me. And that's why I had, for the rest of my life, I'll always have low self-esteem issues. And I know, again, I know I'm not stupid. And I know I'm going far in places. But, you know, again, it's just like, you literally look up to this woman. And, you know, she just puts that persona in your brain. Like, yeah, you are so smart. You are. And then she tells your parents a different thing. It's. It's really devastating. And, you know, anytime I see that woman out in public, I'm just, I don't know. Like, she she is a nice lady, you know. I'm not bashing her. I'm not hating on her. I'm just, I wish I could ask her why. Why did you give me that thought process that I'm going to go far in places and then you told my parents such garbage, you know. Like, keep those feelings to yourselves. Keep those feelings to yourself, not yourselves. Um, and, like, why couldn't you just tell them positive things about what I've been accomplishing? Instead of, like, the negatives, like, just say the positives. Because, I th- you know, I think every small accomplishment I ever do in life, it, it turns into this big thing. But sooner or later, you know? So, it's just, it broke my heart. And, <laughs> you know, it's been... Lots of years since then, but it still, like, crushes me. Like, anytime somebody asks me, like, what's the hardest thing you ever had to go on through, like, with learning display, I always tell them that story. And that's what I use for my college essay, and look at me now, I'm in college. <laughs> um, but, yeah. But high school, when I, here's my college experience when I was applying to colleges. So, obviously, when you're, you know very much obsessed with the idea of college, like myself, I always had that obsession with college, you know, I've always watched in the move-in dorm videos, and, you know, college week in my life, and I don't know, all these kind of videos on YouTube, because just people are, like, romanticizing college, and I fell in that loophole, and I was just like, I want to apply to all these crazy places that I know I won't get in, obviously, I did not know like, I didn't understand applying to colleges. Like, I didn't understand the concept of it. Like, how you need, you know, an ACT scores. Well, nowadays, you don't even need them. But, like, you have training to say. You have, you have to have really good grades if you want to get here and there. And, like, your GPA has to be this. And, like, you know what I'm saying? And acceptance rate. I didn't understand acceptance rate. And I was like, oh, everyone's going to accept me. Like, not because I had a huge ego. I just thought that's naturally how it worked. So... I went to a college fair, I think the first ever time in my sophomore year, or was it my junior year, summer of my junior year, I don't remember what, but I was literally fantasizing everything. There was this one school in Indiana, it was Indiana State University. I don't know what it was, but I was obsessed with the idea of going there, literally obsessed. I was like, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here, 
And my parents were like, you're not going there. That's not a right fit for you. And I was just, like, so mad at them. I was like, how dare you? Like, you're so mean to me. Like, what? You know, I was just, like, I was so mad at them. Like, even my own grandparents were like, you're not going to go there. Like, you can't go there. And I was like, why are my grandparents, like, so mean? Like, you know, I was, like, really stuck in my head about this. And then I was looking at other schools. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to UCLA. Um... Let me just quickly search up this, just, this is, you know, UCLA, UCLA, let's see, college, not, let's see, come on UCLA, the acceptance rate for UCLA is, why can I find the acceptance rate, acceptance rate. 14.3 14.3 in the year 2020. Oh, wait, wait. There's more information. I just totally X'd out the screen for no reason. University of California, Los Angeles admissions is most selective with an acceptance rate of 14%. Half of the applicants submitted to University of Los Angeles blah, blah, have an ACT score between one, I mean, 1,290 or and 15 1,200, or an ACT score of 29 to 34. Or GPA of 3.0. Oh, that's totally unrealistic. Okay. Never mind. But basically, long story short, you know, there's no way. There was no way. There still is no way. Even if I wanted to transfer there, there's no way. So, again, this is me, like, you know, not understanding what it meant to, like, ACTs and whatever, or the acceptance rate. And I was just like, I'm going to go to UCLA or, you know, the University of Southern California. Like, I just, big dreams. Big dreams. And I wanted to go to far for college and just, just, yeah. You get the gist. You get the gist. Everyone goes to that. I wanted to go to school in Hawaii. Like, wh- why Hawaii? I don't know. And I was just fantasizing about going to a traditional campus. And, like, I was just really loving my life, you know. I was like, I'm going to be the, like, I'm going to be in a sorority house. No. It's funny how it all changed. So, I literally applied to so many schools. I even applied to this one school in in the state I live in. And, you know, I fell in love with the school because... I had an interview, and this lady was basically, again, she's boosting my ego. She's saying, I don't know what it is about you, but we can for sure, I can for sure be seeing you going to our school, and whatever. She just wanted my money. We, I literally visited the campus with my mom. I literally fell in love, and I was just beyond excited. It's like, this is basically my golden ticket, you know? Like, I found my college. I'm happy. Again, I did not, you know, do a proper extensive research that you should be doing when you're looking into colleges because my high school the one I went to it wasn't very helpful when it came to those things like they didn't you know help you look into colleges or do research or it wasn't very college you know driven school I guess you want to say I won't go into more for like detail about it but just know about that um but my vice principal was very much like Oh, yeah, I'll help you the best that I can. But, like, at the same time, I didn't ask her the right questions because I was, again, just in my head. And I was just, like, you know, fantasizing things that were so unrealistic. Still very unrealistic. Sorry, little Shani. But that's how it was, you know. Again, I was just fantasizing everything. 
And I learned that this, the school that I thought I was going to get into had the worst learning disability program. The worst, okay? It was basically non-existent. You had to play some type of instrument. It was one of those kind of schools. And also, it was very pristine. Did anyone know that? Did anybody tell me? No. Because, they, like, I told them all about that interview. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, you're for sure going to get in. Either way, back to the applying part. I applied to so many schools. I told them the same sappy story that I, that middle, the middle school tutor story. And I was thinking, yeah, this is for sure going to get me in, you know, blah, blah. I did not do all my ACTs also. Let me just put it out there. Terrible. Could I have really taken it? Yes. But I did, did I want to go through that emo- emotional trauma all over again? No. But, yeah, so I just applied to a lot of places. Slowly but surely, the letters came in or the emails came in and said, sorry to inform you, but you have not been selected. And I was confused. And every rejection, one rejection after another, it crumbled me into more insecurities than ever before. I was just so upset. And I was just like, are you, like, what am I doing wrong? And... It was just, it was so upsetting to hear. I was like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to go to community college. Like, that tutor told me I was going to end up, like, just not going far in places. And I was so upset. I couldn't even get into the school that everyone gets into at, in my area. And I was so upset. So, I don't know. It was around, like, I don't know, midterms. And my other classmates already, like, accepted the colleges. They got into and I was still you know not accepted anywhere and I was confused and I was upset and I was literally heartbroken I've never been so upset in my entire life because I was just like yeah I'm just gonna go to community college so I remember I was in the middle of applying like on my computer to the community college in my area and I was just like dragging it as much as I could because I was just like Maybe I don't even want to go to college anymore, you know, because everyone was just breaking my heart. And I couldn't even watch the college move-in vlogs anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't do any of it because it literally just brought me misery. And then my mom came into my room and was like, why don't you just apply to the school I went to, you know? And I was just like, but it's, I don't want to go there. I had no idea anything about the school she went to. So just look into it, just apply there and just see what happens. And then, so I actually did extensive research on this school with my mom. Because, again, it's been a while since my mom went to the school she went to. And little did I know, the school would just, you know, really excite me. Because it started slowly but surely becoming my, like, number one choice. And I was like, this is the kind of school that I really, really want to get into. But I tried it to keep my, you know, hopes to bare minimal. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to overhype it. And I just basically told my, um, my tutor in high school and my vice principal about it. I didn't even tell my friends. I literally didn't tell a single soul. Obviously, my mom was there because she was the one helping me apply. And I got in. And I got a scholarship. And the school that I'm talking about is Columbia College Chicago. Literally, I feel like everyone says this once they're in college and they're all settled in. But I cannot imagine going anywhere else. I am so happy that I am where I am. 
Columbia and I are like two peas in a pod. Like that's the school could not have been a better fit. And I'm so grateful. Even rejection after rejection, heartbreak after heartbreak, tears after tears, you know, late nights, like, you know, applications. Literally, Columbia is school for me. It was literally just imagine me to heaven. They have so many supportive programs for kids with learning disabilities and just, just have such a good support system. And the school, like the sizing with classes, like it's a 15, um, 15 kids ratio. Like that's the biggest class you can have is like with 15 other kids or 14 other kids. And the teacher actually wants to have a relationship with you. They actually want to get to know their students. And again, they have the best of the best learning disability programs I could ever ask for. And again, I cannot imagine going anywhere else. And I'm so happy with going to Columbia. So happy. So yeah, this is the last story I'm telling. But (laughs) you know, the first year of school was a little bit of a nightmare because I couldn't apply to the learning disability programs because my paperwork was not exactly up to date and it was just a miserable time and I did not get the help I needed quite yet because of that reasoning and I was doing really bad in classes and I was just miserable because I was like oh my gosh like I'm failing and I had no motivation because I wasn't getting the help I needed and I was just whatever and it was just it was a really rough patch and I finally got the tested I ne- testing I needed and I finally brought in the paperwork and the second I got into the learning disability program at my school and I got into other programs that would have really helped me um my grades started going back to normal and then the more I pushed myself to do good in school because I got the help I needed, the better my grades got. And I just learned a f- literally a few days ago that your girl got on the freaking dean's list. Like, isn't, like, that is just mind-boggling to me. I had no idea what a dean's list meant. I'm going to be one million percent honest with you. I had no idea what it meant. And... I didn't understand that the grades I have or had was dean list material. Like, I didn't understand, like, whoa, like, that my grades were that good. And I'm not trying to brag, but I'm just just showing you that literally anything's possible. And little me would not have believed this at all. My parents are still in shock, and they're so happy. They're literally telling all their friends and my whole family about, like, Schnee's on the freaking dean list. Like, that's insane. Like, insane. Like, literally, if you would have told me four years ago that I would have gone on the dean's list in a freaking college and actually have A's and B's instead of pass or fail grades, I would have not believed you. If you told me I was going to the school in a city full of creatives like myself and actually being treated like a normal human being, I would not have believed you. So, for anyone who's listening right now that might doubt their worth because of their disability, physically, invisible, disability, it, it doesn't matter. Like, if you just doubt yourself, just know that it does get better, and you will find the right click. And it's it's just going to get better from there. It's just going to get better from here, you know? That's all I see it as. 
yes, there's going to be so many times in my life I, I already feel it that people are going to just treat me like how I hate it, like where they treat me like a baby. But <laughs> I would just keep on reminding myself, like, you are literally, you are on the freaking Dean's list. And you're doing so well. And I'm so proud of myself. And I've never, ever been so proud of myself in my life. I've never been one of the people that's like, yeah, I'm doing great in life. Because I can say confidently, I am so proud of myself. And that is so weird for me to say out loud. But it is so true. And if you just keep on pushing, you're going to do so well in life. It's that time in the episode where I read quotes um, to keep you motivated and all that stuff. So let's read some quotes about, you know, accomplishments. Life will only change when you become more committed to your dreams than you are to your comfort zone. Billy Cox. That is so true. And I think that is a quote that I'll live by for the rest of my life. Um, Dear self. Wait, yeah. Dear self, feel your chest well with pride over your day's accomplishments. I keep on doing that every single day. Like, I literally look back and I'm just like, wow, I'm so far in life and I'm so proud of myself. And I keep on telling myself, like, like, pinch yourself. Like, is this real life right now? Like, yes, it's real. Like, this is literally, you've done this. Like, you did this to yourself. You know? Let's see. Um, I can't one okay here the time will pass anyways you can either spend it creating the life you want or spend it living the life you don't want the choice is yours from john f kennedy every accomplishment starts with the decision to try that's a good one um you know this one is literally glitching on my system okay wait what i like doing best is nothing how are you doing nothing that is not about accomplishments that's literally about being lazy okay sorry Winnie the Pooh sorry I can't quote you on that um let's see here live in the sunshine swim in the sea drink the wild air Emerson that's cute but I think that's really about accomplishments have a proud of your accomplishments the best view comes after a heart the hardest climb that is so true here's another random quote i don't know who quoted this but a year ago everything was different i would have pictured myself like this and now i look back and i have realized that a year can do a lot to a person that is literally the most truest thing i've ever read in my life (laughs) so true okay one more quote let's find a really good one um do 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 why is this all so sad like they're all like this and this um one more okay I'm gonna get fun I have struggled in ways no one knew about it made me stronger, confident, and fearless, and no one can take that away from me. Hmm, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please let me know, and I will see you guys next time.